thanks for joining us again. A little bit of an extra episode, Jared. Uh, we we sort of felt we couldn't go past this. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're probably stretching. It finally our, uh, appeared. Stretching our definitions too. It's not really horror or action, but we we couldn't overlook it. Look, it's difficult to explain. <laughs> I think is a fair assessment. Is that not correct? Yeah. Yep. That would be fair. Tonight's Thrill Me Podcast Extra is 2019's The Fanatic, starring Mr. John Travolta. Now, we've been waiting for this for, I'd have to say, six months. Yeah. It was floating around in the US and, and yeah, we've we've been eagerly sitting on iTunes and other places looking for this. Yep. And it's finally popped up. So, Jared, without further ado, here's the trailer for 2019's The Fanatic. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar. Is Hunter Dunbar here tonight? That's enough. I need to get an autograph. Don't let him do this to me. I'm a fan. I'm a number one fan. Is it difficult to find famous people's houses? I use my star map app. You have to be careful. I don't want you to be accused of stalking. Hey, you can't just come to my private residence looking for me. Listen, pal, I don't know how you found me. But I don't ever want to see you in this neighborhood again. The Fanatic from 2019 is directed by Limp Biscuit frontman Fred Durst, who gave us the Ice Cube film The Long Shots. It's produced by Durst, John Travolta, Daniel Grodnick, who produced Yeti, Curse of the Snow Demon, Bill Kenwright, and Oscar Generale, who has produced a couple of um, Travolta's recent turds, <laughs> Trading Paint and Speed Kills. The screenplay is by Durst and Dave Beckerman. Now it stars John Travolta as Moose, Devin Sawa as Hunter Dunbar, and Anna Golge as Lee. The budget, look, internet movie database says it was four dollars. <laughs> not sure where they got those numbers from. Right. Uh, so I'm going to say it's unknown. I don't know what it would have been worth. Don't look. I'm. Um it was, it was that's close, I think. <laughs> what do you think? Fifty? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe bump it up a little bit. Maybe ten dollars. And the box office, it was only released in I think about fifty cinemas, and it made three thousand one hundred dollars. The trivia indicates, and now I cannot. I I positive this is not correct, but. Moose is John Travolta's favourite character that he's ever played. I'm uh, going to say that I have heard some things about him speaking very enthusiastically about playing the character. So oh he may have said this that. This is a man who played Vincent Vega, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> possibly be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, say what you want about Travolta, but his resume's got some good stuff on there. Yeah, it does. So I don't know why you would think this was the one. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, talk about return on investment. A $4 film that makes 3100 that's an absolute ripper of an investment there. Jesus Christ, that's, yeah, that's pound for pound. <laughs> <laughs> dollar for dollar, that's fucking outrageous. That's outstanding. Yeah, and you haven't, yeah, I mean, the film costs less than we paid to watch it last night. Oh, Christ, I pay, yeah, I paid four bucks. Look at the God. If only it was on a streaming service, Jared. We could have at least accepted if that. If only. It. it will be shortly, surely. 
But I mean, All as right. you said, we've been we've been waiting. And the the second I the second I messaged you, I swear my phone nearly blew up when <laughs> when the response came through. You were you were immediately onto it. I believe I sent two messages. <laughs> I didn't get an answer quick enough. So <laughs> the fanatic. So the fanatic. Are we doing it? <laughs> yeah. Christ, we are <laughs> we are just bloody Gibbo summed it up. We are masochists. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Jared, what are your thoughts on this? I can't explain. I don't know how to explain it, but I you explain it to me. Well, I was gonna say it's it's hard to hard to put into words. It's a pretty poor <laughs> film, I'll put it that way. But um I was thoroughly entertained. Travolta, look. The bloke is – you can't criticise the bloke of loafing. He's really putting in, but I'm just not sure his <laughs> energies are directed in the in the right places at this point in his career because he's absolutely – like, I mean, he's just – he's attempting to act the house down, but he's fucking – I don't know. He's burning the house down. But, yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know what the – like, the, the message that the film seems to be putting out is really strange. I guess coming from um, Fred Durst directing it and and saying that he he sort of put personal experience kind of into it, it's really strange to to try and figure out what they're actually saying. And well, who the fuck did he meet? <laughs> did he meet this guy? I don't know. I couldn't stop laughing every time Travolta was really putting in the hard yards and trying to get this dramatic weight into it. I just couldn't stop laughing. Look, what do you give this? I think I'd have to give it a one. A one? The idea is ripe to be actually looked at mm. and, and perhaps with the right kind of angle and the right performances, you can find something interesting here. Or you could even go overboard with a bit of B-movie sort of schlock. And turn it into kind of like a like, slasher film. Like the fan, thing. almost. Yeah. I mean, the fan is a piece of shit, <laughs> but it's ten times better than this. Yeah. The problem with this is that it takes that good idea and then it kind of just shits all over it with really bad characterizations, poor acting, um, poor dialogue, plot mechanics that just are absolutely laughable. And I... <laughs> Used to be a huge like I used to love some of Travolta's work, but this is his worst performance. This is embarrassing. It <laughs> I'm is. I'm trying to th- work out why he he felt that this was the angle. Was this the way it was written? Is this more in Travolta? Is this more and go, oh, I'm going to go this way. Is it more embarrassing than Battlefield Earth? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say yes because. At least he was embarrassing himself with embarrassing himself with other people in that one. I mean, there was a couple of real solid actors that lowered themselves for Battlefield Earth. So <laughs> yeah, at well, least yeah. you can sort of hide Forrest amongst. Forrest Whitaker's an Oscar winner. Sorry, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest that's right. Whitaker's an Oscar winner. Barry Pepper was in there. Like, I mean, Barry Pepper was there. Yeah, it, it is. But I, also, that was kind of like they were playing aliens. Yeah, yeah. So I can let a little bit of that slide. For a bit of ham, but they were still. Um, like, this, I mean, they were embarrassed aliens by the end of it. Yeah, oh yeah, they were embarrassed to be there. But I mean, I, I just don't know how you get to this characterization. Like, what makes an actor with some note and some clout say, "Oh, this is how I'm going to"? Does he say, "This is how I'm going to play it"? I just think, you know, Fred Durst, he's made some reasonable films, but I don't think he has enough clout to say, I want you to play it like this. I need to, I need a behind-the-scenes doco on how it ended up like this. I need something. Like, I mean, I, I was just, I was mesmerised by the performance, but not because, <laughs> of, not, not in the way that you would, you would want me to be mesmerised. Like, as I said, I did, there was just, there was constantly these points where he's, trying to develop this dramatic weight or this, uh, at very few points, some sympathy for the character or whatever, and I just, I kept on just bursting out laughing because it was, as you said, it was kind of embarrassing at points. It was. And for me, it's half a star. Half? Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, you- I, I hovered around the one too. I thought to myself, well, surely it's not that bad. But then I looked at my likes and dislikes and I just thought, well, there's nothing here really to like. Yeah, it is pretty much that bad. Yeah. So let's really, let's unpack this bad boy because we could <laughs> yeah, be here a while. We could be. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to unpack it. It could take a long time. Yeah. I mean, it is a fucking fair-sized suitcase. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but look, let's go into the likes, Yeah, if you can come up with anything. I've got a, I've got a deuce and one of them's not even, not even... It's kind of a hard. I too one. have a deuce. It's tr- it's trying to give them credit for something because I couldn't. I felt bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we at what, what? What was your? What were you like? Okay, first off, I actually thought De- Devon Sawa and the girl were okay. They delivered what was expected of them, and I'm not going to fault them for the writing of the characters and. Um, I thought their performances were worth, um, you know, the the four dollars that you paid them. Put, put it this way, Jared. I didn't put it in that those two in the likes, but I understand where you're coming from. I think those two can probably walk away and say we gave our time and our effort, mm. and that's it. Yeah, Sawa is quite okay. His problem is the characters are fucking ass. The characters shit out. So. You just get nothing to sort of cling to, and but I think he probably does his best with what he is given. Mm. And uh, Anna Gold or whatever she she probably plays the most normal character in the film. Yeah, which is probably to her. Yeah, it's the luxury she has. She kind of gets to play pretty straight, and she does a decent enough job. Mm-hmm. So I'd agree with that. I'm going to go out and say that the idea of a fan sort of going over the top and this toxic fandom sort of idea is ripe. Yeah. Like, it was worth looking at. Yeah, exactly. But, well, I um, mean, in the in the age of you look at kind of Star Wars fandom at the moment and the sort of shit that's going on there, um, yeah. how it's become, it's supposed to be this thing that brings joy to people's lives, but so many people just turn it into, <laughs> turn it into something, as you said, so toxic and... It is absolutely right for right for covering, but uh, yeah, that's that's about as far as the light goes on that one. That, that they they hit on a, a decent by this year, That's where it stopped. <laughs> yeah, and look, as I said, the idea has been explored before and has legs, and would have potentially had legs had they have looked at this in the appropriate manner. Yeah, exploring it as As we get into our dislikes, I think we'll find that they did. Yeah, exploring it as a fan of film, though, in this modern era, it is is a good idea. Like the other ones that you can think of, other ones that were mentioned when you're looking around for this film, it's like The Fan, which is based in sports, and I believe there's that Patton Oswalt one that is also based in sports. Yeah, that's... I'm going to bring that up in the dislikes because I'm, when I talk to more deeply about it, yeah. but that is actually a really good film. And there's also the... Um, and it t- takes a look at this situation in a slightly different light or the fan the, the fan situation, so it's sport-related as well. Yeah, it's sport-related, so a it's a different context. Different um, when you get to entertainment, yeah. you get something like The King of Comedy, which is it's kind of... I'm not going to say it's dated because obviously the film is still considered one of the greats, but the whole idea of a of a variety show host is very different now. So exploring it in the fashion that they had, like that this guy's a, a fan of a of an actor who's seemingly in sort of you know B movies, it's extremely relevant. And I, I just yeah, I, I was hoping that you know someone could explore it in in some sort of fashion other than this it's it's still there well, on the table for whoever wants to I'd like to say that these guys got lost during the exploration yeah certainly I, I like yeah I, well Travolta was certainly fucking lost I can tell you that now <laughs> I don't know where he was yes yeah my only other like when he wanders out the Jason mask oh I thought to myself, oh, yeah, it's always good to see the hockey mask in place. Probably the only time he looked vaguely intimidating. Yeah, it was a combo. It was a combo, wasn't it? He looked like he had the the Michael-style cover on. He had the Myers jumpsuit on too. Jason mask. Once um, the mask came off and the the dialogue started, (laughs) again, that light stops very quickly. 
It's like, John, where were you, mate? <laughs> what are you doing? God. I don't know what to say about the bloke. I know um, we're going to we're going to say we're going to say a bit about him, but I'm just not sure what. <laughs> yeah, I've no, got he's one. He's going to come in for some treatment. Yeah, I've got one other one. I actually think that look, there's points where Durst shows that he probably could direct direct something that's worth a look. There's a couple of points mm. where, you know, there's a couple of decent shots, a couple of a couple of bits and pieces that they're fleeting. But I think the biggest problem is not the is not the direction. I think it's it's elsewhere. But yeah, yeah I mean, and, and there's a couple. Of, there's some imagery that was kind of nice, um, even if it was a bit on the nose, a, a, a bit sort of. Uh, I mean, you knew something like that was coming, but something like uh, the blood dripping all over the Hollywood stars and stuff like that. Some of that, some of yeah. that imagery was was quite good. Yeah, and as I said before, I think Fred Durst, I had a quick look at his resume before, and I've seen the long shots, and it was okay, a little sports film with Ice Cube. Um, He had a previous one before that, I think, that had Jesse Eisenberg in it, which is pretty well regarded, Mm -hmm. a drama type of film. I think the guy's got a little bit of talent. Yeah. And this is why I'm sort of leaning towards Travolta perhaps taking this concept, and I'm not saying it would have been a great script, I'm not saying that at all. I think it had its warts anyway, but I just get this feeling that Travolta kind of took the character and ran with it. And a guy like Durst, who's he's he's a he's not a director with thousands of credits on his resume. He's not going to be putting his hand up and saying, "John, Jesus Christ, mate, where are you? <laughs> like, what's this?" <laughs> yeah, I think you know that. That's my feeling. I'm not saying I've got anything to back that up. I'm just getting a feeling that maybe Travolta sort of said, "Oh, this is how I want to play it." Yeah, and look, just just kind of went okay. I think he got a, I, I think he got a fair bit of freedom. Just, yeah, just and I mean, he's one of the producers for fuck's sake. Yeah, just this, so, and the style of kind of. There's multiple scenes where it's him standing in front of mirror and lots of cuts, and it feels like it's just one of those one of those situations where Travolta was sort of given free reign to stand in front of the mirror, and we'll just we'll just roll the camera, and you do what you do. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think Johnny's got a Johnny's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, Johnny's fingerprints are, are all over. I'm not totally devolving Durst of his role in this. No, he was involved the in the writing, that, obviously. So yeah, and there's a lot of problems with but that. I'm just getting the feeling that maybe Travolta sort of says, "Oh, this is how I want to go with it." Yeah, and he's the star. Yeah, with it with he's a name above the above the marquee. So really, you're probably going to go, "Yeah, all right, mm. we'll see where you go with it." I can tell you right now, fucking day one of dailies, if I see him in a Bobby costume, <laughs> go and we're shooting all of that. <laughs> we're starting again. Uh, John, what's... Where are we going to have words? John, what's your, what's your second idea after the Bobbies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you got the other... <laughs> no, that was it for my likes. <laughs> that was... Uh, it's a barren ground. It is. It is. <laughs> likes. All right, the dislikes. I, I'm just going to kick off is what the hell is Travolta doing? I don't know. Like, what is he actually doing here? I don't know. For starters, let's 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 make it clear. There's never any any sort of um, clarification on what whatever his difficulties are. But for me, yeah. there seems to be a confusion with the mental illness aspect and. Whatever cognitive difficulty he is attempting to portray, I would I would yes. go and say it, it looks like it's something to do. It looks like it might be something on the spectrum, perhaps. Yep. But how that and the mental illness angle sort of get tangled up makes things very very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why you go there. What pushes you to that portrayal of somebody who is who is obviously, you know, socially awkward and, and, and what have you mm. and is interested in movies and is interested in this movie star, there are ways to play around this. Yeah. And give the film some some nuance and give the character some angles. Look, okay. I'll, I'll put it this way: like I, I don't think the socially awkward sort of thing and the, and the, the obsession and whatever. I think they are they can be kind of related there. Like I, I, I've seen, you know, I've been to been around sort of conventions and, and comic shops and things like that, and I've seen people that are extremely socially awkward. 
I haven't seen him. Mm. I haven't seen anyone psychotic, like <laughs> whatever's going on with Moose. <laughs> but I, I can say I have seen people who seem to have this combination of this social awkwardness or obliviousness to to their behaviour and yep. combine that with kind of this, the obsession. I've, I've seen a couple of those yep. people around. But he takes that to the nth degree on both levels. And it's it's... I, I mean, I, I didn't know what I was watching at certain points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I look at it this way, and I mentioned before, big fan, the Patton Oswalt one. Yep. That was used in a similar way. He was obsessive about the team and the players and, and and there was an awkwardness or a, or a, I don't know, a shyness to him. And I guess what you'd call sort of a, a quality where he's kind of, he's working he's working a menial job and what have you. So they're kind of painting him out to be just kind of like this ordinary guy who's, who's super interested in sport. But that movie also throws in a bit of a, a turn on him, mm. which forces him into the, like, forces him to take a more obsessive, Involvement in what he's doing, yeah, but it becomes negative because of what happens to him. This doesn't try to do that at all. No, and this is what I mean about trying to kind of shape the Hunter Dunbar character. I mean, there are multiple sequences where Dunbar just acts like a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We we don't even get like five minutes of Dunbar treating Moose with a bit of respect or whatever. No, to almost like oh we're bonding, we're mates, and then suddenly turns on him. Get the fuck out of my face! Well, you know? see, I'm, I'm I mean that seemed a natural way to go. They set it up like that was the way to go. Like Moose mm. gets him in a situation where you could see uh, initially Dunbar does kind of say, "Hang on, whatever you know, slow down." You could see. That that seemed to be the natural setup that Dunbar tries to kind of you know he would be dealing with fans a lot, so he tries to go with this kind of you know uh, this this way of kind of placating him I suppose, but then Moose doesn't understand that he's he's crossing boundaries. Yes, he's stepping into kind of, you know, um, over, overly familiar and, and and putting himself in situations that he shouldn't have been in. They, but the characterizations and the plot mechanics are so clunky. Yeah, they are. That you don't get that. And like I mean, you don't actually get that. Yeah, and it, it, there's a couple of situations where that that could happen, and it doesn't kind of go that way. It doesn't develop. It's like there from the start. And it just, yeah, I yeah. Don't know, it just it it felt like that contributed to these two characters that were poorly shaped. To me, though, the thing that I can't understand with Travolta is here's a man who's three times Oscar nominated, I believe. He is no slouch when it comes to acting. Well, fuck, okay. he's going to be barred from the venue after this one. <laughs> well, as I said, he should give back his fucking SAG card. After this. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a leaf out of Rowan Atkinson's book, he'd be lucky to get a, a job in an eight millimeter pornographic film. Yeah. <laughs> After this. Yep. Okay, but I, I mentioned to you one hour photo. Yep. One hour photo, apart from being a very good movie, the starters, but here you've got an actor, yes, and Robin Williams. Probably a better actor than John Travolta, but a noted comedic actor who was very, you know, he didn't rein it in often, you know, in his early days. And he, he goes into a movie that's about this kind of obsessive stalking behaviour, but the way he plays that character, quiet, creepy, strange but not too strange, it's fucking bang on, right? I refuse to believe that Travolta can't do something like that, which I think would have given this character a little bit more to root for. You couldn't root for the bloke. No, not at all. I'm, I'm assuming you were supposed to, Jared. Is that, <laughs> well, is that what they were going for? No, I don't. Well, this is the thing. I, I'm assuming yes, but at no point were you given the opportunity to do that because he was just... And this is what I mean. Like, uh, you've got 
Um, and the other point I want to bring up too is the social media. You see Moose using social media all the time and it gives you this opportunity to see a guy who's not a bad guy but he's misunderstanding that he's not familiar with this bloke. But the social media and all that makes him kind of think he is and, and the obsession with his movies and stuff makes him kind of think he is. But all that sort of stuff is just missed, and and yeah, you don't get a chance to get to know know his situation or feel any sympathy for him at all. Yeah, it seems like that's supposedly trying to be built when he's getting bloody hassled by the guy on Hollywood Boulevard and all that sort of stuff, and but it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, I was thinking about this as I watched it. I actually thought to myself, I would have switched Travolta and Sawa around. You reckon? Travolta is a charismatic guy. Yeah. Right? He would have worked, I think, as the actor, you know, who's, who's being obsessed over. And at least Sawa can give, like, he gave decent angry when he had to. Yeah. Look, I think uh, I, I'm just going to say I'd have switched Travolta out of the film altogether because <laughs> I think, I actually think Devin Sawa fit in that role. But the, the role just wasn't all that well written. Who would you have replaced Travolta with? Anyone? <laughs> oh shit! I would. I don't know. I don't know whether anyone could have made it work if this was how it was. How it was kind of on the page, but um, yeah. I, I mean, just... even even De Niro in the fan, which is let's face it, that's fucking De Niro in slum mode. But even the fan, which let's be honest, the fan's kind of like a B movie. Mm. They build up to his obsession going boiling over. You know, like he starts off kind of not normal, but he's De Niro, he's a bit of an angry guy, but he's kind of okay. But they slowly build the anger up. Yeah. And he starts to do sillier and sillier things and take bigger and bigger risks. And then he just it just boils over. Yeah. This movie tries none of that. No. Like, Moose is constantly in a state of kind of, I don't know, he's kind of like, you think he's going to get angry any time. Yeah, yeah. But then you also think he's annoying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, impossible to sort of find that range of, how should I feel about this guy? Yeah, well, I I actually. And this is the thing. You could make him annoying. You, you, You almost had to make it clear that he was annoying. But that he was oblivious to it, and and that's that's kind of part of part of what I think they were trying to go for. But as you said, you never got to know the ins and outs. There was never anything about his whatever his difficulties were. So all you got was this. And I mean, personally, I don't know whether there was a hell of a lot of research into whatever he was playing. <laughs> I think he might have watched. I think he might have watched. Yeah, Tropic I'm going to say there was zero research. <laughs> yeah, I think he watched <laughs> whatever was going. I think on. he watched Tropic Thunder and took his cues from that. But <laughs> I just, I, I feel like it didn't seem that there was any kind of particular markers of any particular thing. It didn't seem like he'd researched something and gone into, well, this is what the guy's got. It just felt like a, a bloody tone deaf sort of portrayal of of what you what he thinks someone with a mental difficulty acts like. Yeah. And you also never saw a nicer side of Moose. No. Like and it was ripe to use Lee, his his sort of mate, his only mate, as a way to perhaps tease out some of those angles that Moose was a nice he was he had nice qualities. Yeah. He wasn't just a guy who turned up and hovered around people and, 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 you know, didn't understand the boundaries and stuff like that. He had qualities about him that you could like, and that means as an audience we could have perhaps grabbed onto him a little bit more. Yeah. But they just left that out. They left it out. They didn't even bother. Yeah, really a very subtle portrayal of um, of <laughs> people with, with these sort of difficulties, like cognitive bloody 
you know, as you said, he's he the social boundaries thing is fine. That seemed to be it was going to be what what sort of drove the story to where it went. But as you said, there was never any sort of there was never any seeing Moose in another situation or in another in another light. He, he was just that all the time. Yeah, and it's funny because maybe it was because Devin Sauer was in it, but all I could think about when I first saw him was Stan. Yeah. The film clip yeah. to the Eminem song Stan. Yep. And then all I could think of was have a look at that song for a second. Yeah. And think about how that played out. And I know it's different media, but that song is exactly what you're trying to go for, the build-up of, you know, we should be together, you know, you, you didn't sign this but that's okay, to fucking raging in the car. Yeah. Yep. Like that is that song is in a nutshell what this stuff should be. Yeah, and 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 when it develops to Moose taking this step to everybody's being mean and all this sort of shit, again that just doesn't develop. It's just it's just on now everyone's mean, so he starts fucking taking things up a notch. But it's like there's yeah, never but any even the notches aren't there, Jared. Yeah, but there's never any realization like, that you've got a part in this too. There's never any exploration of that. There's no exploration of Dunbar and his family and his relationships and how the the media circus and being an actor has has affected that. You know, there's another angle they could have played on mm. to soften him. This is why he he could be quite standoffish. Yep. Because he's had problems in the past or people broke into his home previously or something of that nature, anything. Yeah. To soften it, and I actually think Sawa probably could have done something with that. Yeah, I think he was he was fine. As I said, I don't think um, I thought his performance would have been absolutely fine if the writing was up to par. Mm. Now, look, I'm going to actually get into the actual film now because we've kind of yeah, yeah, we've got <laughs> off track a little bit, but it's hard not to. What what was the go with all the chalk paintings and and shit littered throughout the film? Just an artistic flourish, you know, just a just yeah, a Yeah, well <laughs> <laughs> It didn't sit well with me. Right, okay. Uh, maybe it was just kind of another way because I know they were kind of like highlighting some things that were sort of coming up. Yeah. But you had bigger fish to fry, you had bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, a lot bigger problems. <laughs> you had bigger problems. Yeah. You didn't need to include the flourish. Mm-hmm. You should have worked out, yeah, worked on some reshoots back. <laughs> What are you going to reshoot? What's it going to fix? Well, fuck anything. Reshoot the whole film. (laughs) (laughs) The acting is pretty shit house. I'll take out Devin Sawa and Anna Gold. I'll say that they're to the side. But those two fucking bozos who are on Hollywood Boulevard, Mm. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, those characters could have been totally excised. I don't know what they were there for. I think they were there for him to just fire up briefly and to try and strangle one of them. Yeah, it was just a, it was just this escalation sort of thing. But, I mean, what the fuck is the competing street performer thinking attempting to recruit Moose? <laughs> Any fucking bozo could see that Moose doesn't have the light fingers required to fucking lift wallets. Like, it's bloody <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous, and it continues to come back to that throughout the movie. It's, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't get that at all. And wouldn't you have gone with kind of like a competing costume guy, a competing Bobby, who actually sounded English? Well, <laughs> Jesus, is <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of the Bobbies on Hollywood Boulevard? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, I'm not going to do it right because there's a couple of things that come beforehand. Yeah. Christ, that is that is a tough, tough couple of minutes. Yeah, yep. <laughs> All right, okay. You do not open a film, we said this before, with a, a quote from a fictional character. No. I mean, there's there is some great works out there that have done it. But you're really backing yourself in when you do that. 
And when when it comes down to it, if you don't nail the movie, it looks fucking silly. There's a small number of good films or good TV shows that have possibly probably used it. Yep. To advantage. Yeah. But it's a minuscule number. It is. We talked about Freddy's Dead. Yep. Where they have him with a line from Freddy Krueger. Yep. I think like Rob. Fucking hell. I think Rob Zombie did it too, didn't he? Yep, in Halloween. It's like, no, it's not a good idea. It says a lot about how important you think the statement you're trying to make is. Yes. And so when you. When you sit back and look at the film and think, oh, shit, what was that? It just kind of, yeah, it just adds another layer of kind of dislike to it. Yeah. Now, the opening line from Travolta, I can't talk for long, I've got a poo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? He's not wrong because he proceeds to take a fucking 80-minute dump after that. <laughs> this is the nuance that we're talking about that was in that was that was present throughout the script. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, <laughs> I started laughing. I couldn't stop laughing for about five minutes. All I kept doing was going and <laughs> giggling about that that line. Yeah, yeah. It's so. It's such a stupid way to sort of start. The characterization. It's the first time we meet the guy. <laughs> and he tells us, I can't hang around long, I've got to do a question. <laughs> it set the tone, though, because he continued to do things that made you laugh like that for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of laughs, if I ever see John Travolta acting like an English boy. <laughs> On the street, <laughs> or in any film ever again, <laughs> it, it is. It was the worst. This is what I'm. Mean. <laughs> this is what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean about the blokes. This is his most embarrassing performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it was, just, it was cringeworthy. <laughs> seemed like cringe-worthy. he was out there on Hollywood Boulevard, Boulevard for real doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Can you imagine the stuff that was cut? I mean, if this is what made it into the movie, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know what's even worse was not long after that. They go back to it, and the second I saw him in the moustache, I fucking broke out in laughter again. <laughs> I just lost it again. Oh, man. <laughs> they should have, again, it should have been, he should have been in costume. I mean, I guess you can't, you know, you would have needed a proper superhero costume and you would have probably needed a superhero costume that everybody knew. Yeah. Which you wouldn't have been able to get. Yeah. I mean, a four dollar budget doesn't get you fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah, look, the Batman costs ten, but I've got an English, English Bobby for four. The fucking eighteen hundreds. That's a uh, public domain. <laughs> yeah, costs nothing. Oh, I still, I'm going to be laughing about that all night. <laughs> oh, mate. I mean, I've still got forty eight hours to um to to watch the film, so. I'm going to have to go back just for another, another chuckle later on just to that scene. Well, actually, just before you sort of you delve into it any further, I have to go back a, a briefly and before we'd even really seen Travolta, I was laughing already because of the, the opening. You've got the voiceover from... Um, Shit, I've forgotten the character's name. But you got the Lee. voiceover from the girl. That's it. That's his his friend, and she talks about L.A. and how you know L.A. It's it'll break your spirit, and, and but Moose is unbreakable. And then we proceed to launch into a film that we know before we hiring it is is a bloke fucking breaking, seemingly. Yeah. So I was so I kind of just started laughing at that, and then as you said, 
we go into the line of him saying, oh, I, can't, I, I, I can't talk long because I've got a poo, and I was fucking in hysterics before we'd even got three minutes into the picture. And then ten minutes later, it's fresh in your drink, governor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but not only that, but did you see the point, like, it goes from, and I think this might be before the part, I, I think it's just before the part with the English bobbies, but there's a couple of sections where he's riding his moped around, and the first time you see it, it's him and he's he's fucking cruising around smiling and he waves at someone. And then the next time you see it, when, when there's been sort of nothing to proceed to a sort of breaking down point, he's cruising along and then just <laughs> randomly he gives someone the finger. <laughs> Starts leaning off his moped, yeah, yeah, giving them the finger, and then we go straight to the English Bobby scene, which of course is champagne comedy, as you've just got <laughs> you've mentioned. So I was just, I was at that point, my jaw was on the floor, thinking, "What have you done, John? What are you doing, mate?" <laughs> Once I saw him in his English Bobby costume, I knew there was no hope for the bikes. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think it was ever going to get any better. There was no, there was no. And I was correct. Yeah, the, the, the movie wasn't going to turn around. You knew it from that point. Here's a question for you. Okay. Now, I understand that Dunbar would have been pissed a little bit because he's out there talking to his wife and then Moose comes wandering out and starts hassling him, right? Yep. That's when they first meet. Yep. Do you really think he would do what he does, though, when they meet outside his house? He inflames the situation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, mate, but I'm a fucking, if I'm an actor and I see the same bloke, I'm thinking it might be best to just, you know, and he starts asking for an autograph. Well, this is the thing. There is never any, there's never any point where Dunbar thinks, I'm just going to sign this and get rid of him. Yeah. Which you would seem to think, and the other thing is Dunbar from the get-go has this thing about his kid when Travolta hasn't kind of shown any inclination that, that the kid's any part of anything. And, I mean, there's, 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 yeah, and we get too further down where, where Dunbar gets out of his car and the kid's in the car and he makes a point of saying, you come anywhere near me or my family and points to the kid and starts going on. I'm just like... If you had seen him at the gate and approached him with, uh, you know, uh, can I help you with anything, and this guy starts talking to you, you can immediately sort of figure out he's not he's not um, processing things the same way that you are. So yeah. perhaps you try and give him an autograph and send him on his way, but it never gets to that. And this is where Durst comes into it, I think, into the thinking. Does this reflect what he thinks about having to deal with people asking him for an autograph or something? Yeah, M- maybe. He was, he Again, was raging maybe. from the get-go. And, and it could be that the situation that this came out of <laughs> was different, you know. There was a more threatening tone or whatever. Yeah. But the idea of Dunbar kind of placating him and giving him an autograph and talking to him for a few minutes, that then feeds... Moose's reasoning to come back. I think it the does too. The is, we're buddies. Yeah. The, the, he knows me. Yeah, his lack of understanding of the, the social boundaries that he's broken yes. already just kind of escalates a little bit. I thought that's well, where it was going to go, but, yeah. Look, being a true crime guy, the death of Rebecca Schaefer in the 80s, yep. that's the kind of thing we're talking about. She sent this guy a letter. She responded to a rambling letter of his yeah, in a nice manner and he got it in his head that she was in love with him. Yeah. And he turned up on her doorstep and shot her. And see, this is where I come back. This is where I come back to the confusion about is he mentally ill or does he have like a cognitive difficulty? Because you've portrayed him both ways. Yeah. And I think that you didn't pick this, like you didn't it, pick a way to go. I think it's actually pretty clumsy because it doesn't yeah. separate well, the it two. Is very so basically, the way that you watch the film, you look at this and say, "Oh, anyone who's on on the on the spectrum or whatever." And I'm just saying that because that's what you know. It seems to be from what you can pick out. <laughs> they don't portray it enough that you can really kind of pinpoint. I'm just saying that's that's what it seems to be. 
but then they don't separate that from him sort of escalating into this obsessed and dangerous manner. Yeah, and they make some really bad decisions when Moose finally breaks into Dunbar's place and he's not there. Yeah. They have him wandering around fucking narrating everything. He starts sniffing toothbrushes as if to kind of create this, there's a creepiness to him. i, I got to say. But it's not creepy. I was, again, I was laughing. I couldn't help it. Yes. I could not help it. But the scene where he breaks in and there's no one there, I was just, I was fucking in hysterics. I, I mean, I, I, I lost my shit when he came wandering out of the toilet with a script in hand. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. The script sucks. I was like, are you reading the script for the fanatic? Yeah. I think that was uh, that was a, a candid camera situation. <laughs> that was John on his break. <laughs> revolver on the can. But, yeah, it was just, it was. Yeah, takes. And this is where poor old Johnny just fails dismally. He's, he is putting in. He's given it the hard yards and it just comes off as so clumsy and so silly. You just spend your whole yeah. time laughing at the bloke. And that whole sequence where Dunbar falls asleep. Yep. That could have been quite eerie. Yes. If you'd have downplayed it. It could have but been. But they didn't. Yeah. He's sitting in the chair next to him, rocking back and forth like he's pulling oh, himself or sorry. something. When he started rocking on the chair and then started rubbing his ear and sniffing it. I was just thinking, what? What are you doing, Johnny? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it could have been really creepy yeah. to think that it could have been would have been far better with Dunbar asleep, and then you you you, you have it close up on Dunbar asleep, and then you cut quickly, and Travolta just standing in front of him, you know, yeah, looking down on him, yeah, or he fucking finds a selfie on his phone. Yeah, well, this was this was there was a couple of angles where it started to get there. There was a, there was a couple of moments where you thought, oh, well, they're going to craft something out of this. And then he starts rubbing ears and sniffing them, and you you lose it all. <laughs> Kissing Dunbar on the head, and all this sort of rubbish. Yeah, it <laughs> like, was, it they was were weird. trying to build some tension or suspense out of the whole thing. Yeah, but it just it was just thrown away by Moose's actions in there. Yes, I've got another question for you. As there was a scene that came after this. So, what paints Fred Durst in a worse light? Quoting one of his fictional characters, or listening to Limp Biscuit in the car in the film, and having Devin listening Sowers, to Limp Biscuit in the car, <laughs> having Devin Sawa's character going, "Hey, what do you what do you think? You want to listen to a bit of Biscuit?" <laughs> It's like backslapping for his, his band, and it's the worst type of Easter egg. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like get that shit out of there. And it is in the it, again. You've got bigger issues. I mean, this film does not the, the tone. Well, the tone that they're going for just doesn't lend itself to doing something like that. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't remember watching Get Out and seeing the characters, you know, turn on the TV, going, "Hey, shit, want to watch some Key and Peel or something like that?" Like it, it yeah, just yeah. doesn't it doesn't lend itself to that stuff. Exactly, and it's just yeah, it's just not his best work. Like it wouldn't have been. In, I mean, maybe it was easier to get the. Yeah, obviously it's his music, so he can use it however he likes. Yeah, but, but you don't have to draw attention to it, do you? To me, it wasn't necessary. At all. No. You could have taken that whole bit out as well. This is where the film, like, the film is is just wall-to-wall bad. Yep. But when you finally get Travolta in the house, Dunbar tied up, you need to ramp up the crazy. Yeah. And they do. Because you have. in the wrong way. <laughs> the whole thing is a shit fight. <laughs> it is. So just, just lay it on hard. Yeah. Torture, violence, the loved one style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, exactly. Lay it right on. Yeah. And this but is, they again, don't. They kind of get to it and they comes just stop. In. He, he seems to act like he doesn't know what he's doing in there. And it's just like, okay, but he's crossed this line and displayed this, this loss of sort of control mentally. Of course he knows what he's doing in there. So I, yeah. I don't know. I just that that was it was just utterly confusing. Because to me, go up a notch. 
I mean, turn it into a violent, blood-soaked finale. Yeah, and we'll sum it up like this. I mean, we're getting into some spoiler territory now and, and getting right into it, but and this is where it comes back to the you've you've just made a mockery of the whole thing. Moose is screaming at Dunbar, you think I'm some kind of stalker, whilst he's dressed as a combo of Jason and Michael, pretending to <laughs> douse Dunbar in petrol while he's tied to a bed. I mean... What are we, we're just lost. We've just lost it here. That that image was yeah. just hilarious. I was fucking again. I was in stitches. I think they kind of felt they were doing something more more interesting than they actually were, and they didn't quite understand the tone. Well, the but idea me, of the film was interesting. Yeah, but they just but they felt like they were exploring something that wasn't there. Yeah. Rather than driving the proper way, they took a detour. <laughs> no, no one knows where they are. No. And to me, if you want to salvage any of it, you finally put Dunbar and Moose together and you turn it into a blood cake fight for survival. Mm. But the problem is you don't give a shit about whether Dunbar lives or dies. You probably don't really give a shit if Moose lives or dies. Yeah. And there's the that is the absolute boiling it down to its essence of what's wrong with it. That's it. You couldn't don't give care a, about couldn't it. Couldn't give a fuck about who. either of these blokes. Yeah, and you don't know who to root for. You got no one to root for. No, no, not at all. Which again confuses what Fred's trying to say about um, how he feels about fans of his work. <laughs> Which, yeah, uh, and to be to be totally honest with you, Fred, there's not going to be many. <laughs> Of this one, yeah. you're not going to have to worry about anyone busting your door down looking to get a signed copy of the Fanatic DVD. I don't think so. No. Look. Also, how the fuck do you tie up Dunbar and fill his mouth with bloody paper without him knowing? Well, that was. I mean, that again, a bit of clarity. Did he make mention of drugging him or something? Well, it seemed like Dunbar was on the drugs already. So in the in the first one where ah. he had him on the couch, he was you know. Oh, that's right. He looked at it and he said sleeping tablets. Yeah, looking at the bottles of sleeping tablets. So it seemed like that was that was the case there that Dunbar had essentially done it to himself. Yeah. Okay. Prior to all this happening, so killing the housekeeper. Okay. Clumsy as all get out, but it also it also sort of clarified that I don't think they ever were trying. Well, again, I'm confused. It didn't fucking clarify anything, but that. It seemed like that showed that they were never really trying to foster any sort of sympathy towards the, towards Moose. It it was just a completely yeah, mess of a mess of a fucking scene because because that was relatively early in the kind of breaking down phase. And again, he displays that he doesn't know what he's done, but it was just a it just added to the mess. And exactly on that because how fucking long? How could you care about him after he killed somebody? Well, that's right. And and how fucking long does Dunbar go without noticing his fucking housekeeper's lying dead in his front yard? It seems yeah, to be a couple of days. Yeah, I know they tried to do that whole thing with the yeah, they had to do that whole thing with his gardener. He says, "Oh, look, it's you know, it's raining. I, I you know, I can't really get my work done. Can I go home?" Yeah, but that was days ago. Yeah, it seems to be. a Surely couple of days. Surely the gardener returns tomorrow. It seems to be a couple of days that it goes past it all. So. I mean, shit, you've walked out your front door, haven't you? It seemed pretty close. Anyway, that's not the biggest problem with the picture, but it's just it's one of them. The other thing, too, was the bit where his fucking scooter blew out on <laughs> when he's riding down. <laughs> when he's riding down Hollywood Boulevard and his fucking scooter blows out and he crashes. I mean, we already know. This is one of those ones... It goes sort of hand in hand with Michael Bay making bad guys knock over wheelchair basketballs and things like that. I mean, we already know yeah. things have gone bad without having to without having to see his fucking scooter blow up and him going head first onto the sidewalk. Again, I I, I just couldn't stop for, through the whole movie. I was the same as you in that opening scene where you said you're just kind of sitting there going. Uh, it just lasted <laughs> the entire movie. It was it was between that and fucking all all out hyster- hysterics. Look, my final like is 
I kind of touched on it before, but the way they kind of wrap it all up. Yeah. It just, again, you just don't embrace a, a finale with a bit of, I don't know, a bit of silliness. Like, get to the fact that, that, that this has gone way out of control and let's just embrace it. Yeah. The whole thing about Dunbar sort of turning the tables on him and then, yeah, yeah. you know, spoiler alert, kind of being what I assume is fingered for the death of the housekeeper. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, so you've got blood of somebody yep. else. You've got ropes and shit that, that could obviously be tied to, to, pardon the pun, they could obviously be tied to somebody else. I mean, fucking Frank Drebin walks into that crime scene and solves it within minutes. <laughs> like... It's it's fucking ridiculous. That's exactly <laughs> as you said. It seems that that Dunbar is fingered for it, and for whatever reason, Moose ends the film with his fucking being noticed on Hollywood Boulevard with his fucking semi notoriety because it looks like he's wearing a great costume. I mean, yeah. what, what the fuck? <laughs> I just couldn't understand it at all. Yeah, look, Frank Drebin is solving that case. I mean, Frank Drebin walks... I mean, it might take him a little longer than... Frank, Frank Drebin walks in there, fucking knocks up and over, uh, you know, sets some sort of ridiculous kind of mousetrap type sequence in motion and then looks at the crime scene and says, fucking open a shut case. Like... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It wasn't him. It's a missing evidence to kill the case. I mean, he was innocent. Um, Dunbar's fingers are still at the scene. You can fucking get the prints off them. <laughs> yeah, Moose, yeah. Moose, yeah, sorry, Moose's been blown fingers off. are still in the, at the scene. And might I add, when that happened, again, laughter. When he fucking, you know, he blows Moose's hand apart, <laughs> Travolta breaks into this kind of squeal. <laughs> Oh my lord! <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, it just ends with such a bad situation. Like it just it ends so poorly, and I, and it's not even really a thriller. It's got no thriller. No, no, I mean, no. I, <laughs> is it a drama? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's not dramatic either, so I'm not really well, sure. I think it's fair to say. The effect on John's career <laughs> is dramatic. That's about the only drama that we're getting out uh, of the picture of it. But, uh, yeah, uh, as you said. Uh, look, I the, don't have anything the else, balance, mate. I cannot. No, but that, 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 the balance just kind of swings back and forth. Like, we don't, we don't care for Moose because you haven't invested the time to show us how he's gotten to this point. So... But then, as you said, Dunbar's an asshole from the get-go. So when, when Dunbar's fucking, I don't know what happens to him, but he seems to bloody gleefully jam a bloody knife in Moose's eyeball. It's like he, he's getting into this kind of tortured mode. And yeah. he starts, like, he starts <laughs> crying too. And I'm just sitting there going, what are we getting from these guys? I felt like I'm looking at it and I'm saying, so. What I seem to be getting is that, that that Fred Durst seems to think his fans treat him like shit to get a little piece of, you know, the action or the, the notoriety or whatever, and you feel like you want to kill him, but you kind of basically take take pity and seed but still get punished for it or something. But it was all so clumsily delivered, I just couldn't, I couldn't make fucking head nor tail of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think Travolta made it in the tail of his character. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, look, have you got anything else that you want to bring up? No, no, that's everything. Point? I mean, fuck, you've got to watch it. You have to watch it. I think it's worth looking at. I'm not going to say it's inept because it's competently made in a sense of a film, but it's just all over the map. As far as its plot work, its characters, its dialogue, everything is just kind of like flips and flops yeah. on what I think they were trying to achieve, but then they kind of got it in their head that they wanted to achieve this. So what do you, what do you think they not, were trying to achieve? I don't know. 
What do you think Johnny's trying to achieve? They were looking to ruin John Travolta's career. Oh, God. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not good, but I think it's car wreck type of stuff. It is. You know, you've got to have a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that is The Fanatic. You can find us on Podomatic, iTunes, and Spotify. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. We're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia and at podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for our next episode. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.